0: i ask anybody's question but yours.
1: Is he in? He
0: is! Donji with another touchdown run. you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'm not going to.
1: Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off! Boy, it would have been nice to have that one over the weekend. Syracuse falls to Florida State, 80-77. to 77. We're here for you on Locked On. Syracuse, Tyler Aki, and Tim Leonard. Tim, oh, that was, that was tough because yep. it felt like the Orange was there, a chance to pick off a top-10 win on the road, and no. they crumbled down the stretch like they have often these last couple of games. And, I mean, with Florida State... We kind of said it beforehand, it felt do or die in this it game. Did. And a lot of these games are feeling do or die. We're going to tell you later on why it's not the end of the world, but the sky is certainly falling out in central New York, and I mean, there's just so much to take away from this game. Let's start, you want to start with the good? Let's start with the good. Okay? Sure, because why I think, not? <laughs> I think there's a lot more good than bad in this game. Like, losses are losses, and, and no one's here for moral victories, but... I think there was a lot more good than bad to take away, because this team over the last couple of games, when the, the deck's been stacked against them, they, they've they competed. They've competed the full 40 minutes, and nobody has embodied that better, especially against Florida State, than Elijah Hughes. Down the stretch, the plays that he made, his ability to get to the basket, after having that injury scare earlier on in the game... Now. I didn't see the the actual play that it happened on. I, I had
0: it on radio for the first like five or so minutes of the game. So he basically I, I didn't just see... slipped. It, it was scary. Yeah. I thought once it happened, I mean, he looked in a lot of pain. He walked towards the tunnel, stopped at the tunnel, and that that showed you his guts basically. Because we didn't even think he was going to play. I mean, you didn't know. I guess I should say. And then after that, I thought, yeah, this could be sort of the the nail in the coffin in terms of his playing time in this game but he fought back
1: yeah it was it was super gutty what he did out there he ends up going out there absolutely balling out has the best stat line of any orange player with his 25 points and and, i mean he just was all over the place two assists two steals four rebounds shot 50 percent from the field but i remember thinking earlier on in this game and i'm seeing everything that's happening with him shot selection wise. So I was fully prepared to enter this podcast saying, listen, Elijah gave forth a valiant effort, but he clearly wasn't healthy. And he shot from the perimeter. and, And that showed that he truly wasn't healthy. Then in about the final, what eight to nine minutes of regulation, you see him attack the basket a ton and just floods the paint area of the shot chart. After that, to me, that shows someone who just found this second win, found this, I don't know if it was the adrenaline really kicking in or what, but that's what really gave him an opportunity to pull Syracuse back in this game. Because remember, they go on that run. There was a. It felt like a really quiet
0: 15 It was a quiet. Run. It was a prolonged run, it felt right. like.
1: Yep. And, and Florida State goes cold. They can't find anything going for them. I mean, we'll get to Devin Vassell later on, because that was just a weird situation in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But to see Elijah Hughes go out and dominate down the stretch, I mean, that performance really showed why he's an all-ACC first-team guy.
0: Yeah, and I've been kind of on Hughes. I mean, on this podcast, I said, I don't know if we've quite seen it completely down the stretch. And I'll say, with the exception of that one play where He did miss. I think it was about a minute 30 left. He missed one driving to the basket. It was a good look that you'd probably want back, and then he had kind of a frustration foul right after that. that But Florida State, it shifted the momentum to them in the driver's seat. He was great down the stretch, and especially considering that we went into this game not knowing if he was going to play, not knowing what the status was with his injury. He was clearly playing through some pain, did not play last game because of the injury, and, all things considered, he was tremendous. To put up 25 points, it actually was kind of weird. It was kind of this weird feeling in my head watching him where I was like, this does sort of the, or confirm that this is probably his last year at Syracuse. I mean, watching him, he felt like an NBA player in that game, maybe more so than he has throughout the season even at times. And He's been great all season. And look, you could say Syracuse fell short and – you can always look at a couple plays down the stretch that didn't go his way, but it's not his fault. I've been asking him for him to make that Tyus Battle-type shot, and it's kind of ironic that that three at the end, which it looks so good. It looks good, so good. When it left it his looks hands, so good. and it's obviously a very unlikely shot to make, but that's the very similar, eerily similar to the shot that Tyus Battle did make when it was the double overtime loss, when he forced right. overtime last time that they were... In Tallahassee, but look, Tallahassee is a tough place to play. Sixty-one to sixty-four, FSU has won at home. ESPN shoved that stat down our throats, and that to go from straight. That's yeah a tuck. To, to go from down at half, down at the ten-minute mark, completely dead. I think I even texted you like this game is over, and then all of a sudden they're in control with four minutes left, and I really thought they were going to do it, which makes it makes it sting a lot because, as you said, that was kind of a do-or-die game. Right, and if there's one takeaway that you could draw from a game like this,
1: it's the fact that, okay, like, you've shown that you can hang with Florida State. And let's see what happens on a neutral floor if you do play them again, because it's very feasible that these two teams could meet up in Greensboro in March. So that's something to to certainly be on the lookout for moving forward. Now, listen, the, the story... I guess the subplot to to the Elijah Hughes show was Buddy Beheim, yeah, a wa- uh, just a zero, and I don't think any of us saw that coming. And, and it, it's weird too because now that's back to back games he struggled in, and and we don't see these type of Buddy Beheim performances ever really. I mean, think I, I think back to the beginning of his career where he got benched for a couple games and. I thought, okay, maybe Buddy Beheim this isn't like the game's just too much for him right now. He cannot play at the ACC level and he's obviously changed that narrative a complete 180 from from that uh, at the beginning of his career and now he, he's looking like an all ACC player and then he goes out and and gives you this. To say that you go on the road and hang with a top 10 Florida State team while Buddy Beheim gives you zero? I mean, to me that was just that was unbelievable. I mean, it got to the point where Jim had no choice but to bench
0: him. Right. It was, it was really crazy to witness. And this is a guy who, coming into the NC State game, had scored 20-plus in five of his last seven games. He was playing the best basketball of his career. And these past two games, it's just been shattered confidence. I mean, after NC State, once Hughes was out and they could put a lot of resources on him, a good perimeter defending team— Devin Daniels, Markel Johnson were on him. They matched up well against him. They shut him down. You thought that he would bounce back in this game, and it, I was waiting for it to almost be like the Virginia game where he just sort of kept shooting, and then the shooter-shoot narrative became yeah, a thing Yeah, you at and I were end. talking,
1: too, where we kind of wanted Buddy to take the last shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because you still have trust in him even though it was the right call, obviously, for Jim to bench him at that time because he just had nothing on offense. And you look back at the last two games now, they've gotten three-pointers from two players in back-to-back games. It was Gerard and a couple from Beheim against NC State and very inefficient against NC State. This game, it's Gerard and Hughes. When Hughes does return, Buddy does not do anything from beyond the arc. And they were more efficient in this game, but – This is back-to-back games where it's two guys shooting beyond the arc going against a whole team of three-point shooters that are shooting very well over top of the zone. Florida State goes 11 for 25 from 344%. And again, Syracuse's strength has kind of been flipped on its head because when you go back to the start of the season, it looked like three-point shooting was a strength. It was a strength even in non-conference when they were struggling. Now they just can't seem to get everyone clicking at the same time.
1: Yeah, sub-30%, again, for the Orange from Distance, a team that that's so offensive-reliant now. I mean, you're, this isn't the team it was a year ago where you're battling it out in the 60s every night. No, this is a Syracuse team that's very reminiscent of that 2016-2017 squad that put up points. I mean, th- this team can score. You've got three killers in your starting lineup, three guys at all times who are viable to go off for at least 20 and then you've got some nice complimentary pieces like Adolajai. Quincy Guerrier, another another great game for him, too. So, Yeah. I do want to talk about Joe Girard. But first, let's take a break. We'll be right back on Locked on Syracuse. Okay, let's keep breaking down this loss because it was a tough one. But it's certainly sort of a – You know, it's weird to get into the sense of maybe there's building block losses at the end of the year. But it certainly feels that way for Syracuse because – this team has fought so hard in some of these really close games down the stretch. Now, yeah. one of those warriors for this team has been Joe Girard. He has emerged ever since ACC play has really started. He, he's he been a guy who, you know, I don't think I've ever been so confident in a freshman handling the ball late. Like, there were times where he's bringing it up the floor at the end of the game against Florida State, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, do we really want a freshman to, to be – controlling this matchup for you but I feel confident all the time first of all if he gets fouled I know he's gonna hit two free throws yeah him getting fouled is an automatic two and it just felt like he knew that season was on life support in the second half and he knows that being an all-time orange player means playing four NCAA tournaments and he wants that And it feels like he wants to be he's destined yeah. for that type of greatness too
0: it's not looking great now, though, unfortunately, but I agree with you. I agree with your point. I feel like since Tyler Ennis, that's the freshman that stands out for me in terms of Syracuse and kind of having security down the stretch, having trust in a freshman, obviously similar comparison because it was a point guard. Now, that Tyler Ennis team was much better all around, But and I'm not just thinking about the pitch shot. I mean, if you remember watching that season, Tyler Ennis was – kind of the cold-blooded killer down the stretch. And Gerard has always had that gene throughout this year. And these past two games, he's been tremendous. He's really stepped it up when, to your point, they've absolutely needed him. I mean, he's doing everything he can, not even turning it over that much, just two turnovers in the last two games. And he goes for 30 points against NC State and 22 points in this one. He finally makes some threes in this game. And he does shoot a lot of bad shots. I mean, yeah. If it was someone else, you'd be upset about it. And when he's off, sometimes it's like, okay, Joe, like let's let's calm down a little bit. Let's know your right. place. Let's let's not. I was talking about to... that with Goody. It's the yeah. the early shot clock ones exactly. that really frustrate you, right? And like, but on this team. And when Buddy's playing the way he was, at the at the end of the day, that's that's actually a pretty good shot for Syracuse sometimes. As long as it's not early in the shot clock, I'm okay with it. I mean, he led the team in rebounding in this game, too. Had seven yeah. rebounds, five assists. One thing that was kind of weird, and I do give Joe a lot of credit, but is when you look at the big men for Syracuse, Sidibe goes three for three, Doljay goes four for five, and Guerrier goes four for five. So it's like they're just not really shooting enough because they only missed two field goals combined from those three big men. And this was probably one of the better games in terms of big men production offensively paired with staying out of foul trouble because that has been such a problem all throughout the season.
1: Yeah, no one fouled out in this game. Sadibe once again, we got the Sadibe special. Four fouls in this one. <laughs> and and yeah. at least makes you, you, you think about it,
0: like what could have been if we had more of an interior presence down the stretch. but You went away. Uh, I think you said you went to grab someone at the door right. or something. <laughs> yeah. And you I, were like, he has four fouls? What happened? Because he went from two to four in the time that you went to the door. I mean, you literally can go grab a pizza, and he'll have two fouls in a minute some games. It's terrible. Right. It's
1: Yeah, the Bay special. We're corning the phrase now. Uh, just the <laughs> frustrating fouls that he makes at times to – to just, it, it seems like he's having a good – I think we were even texting like, oh, Sidibe only two fouls and, and we're we're in it's decently through the second half. Yeah. And then boom, I, I walk away for, for 30 seconds and he's got four. So, but that's okay because I think Quincy Garrier has been really good. I, I really yeah. like what I've seen out of him. Uh, but I want to get back to Gerard real quick. The thing with Joe Gerard that's so promising for the future is that the mistakes he's making right now are maybe the most fixable things you can do. This is where I, how I feel about Joe Girard. His mistakes are a the decision making on shot selection, not not passing the ball because he's been really sure handed the entire season. But the the shot selection that's only going to get better as time goes. And if it doesn't get better, well, I just have more confidence that he's going to be good enough and confident enough that those shots are going to start to go in.
0: Yeah, he and this is going to sound kind of like corny, but. He's also just such a good teammate. Like when you watch him, yeah. he's always pumping up the crowd, pumping up Sidibe, pumping up other players. I just, I mean, I am i couldn't be a bigger fan of the guy. And I know there was obviously a lot of talk going into the year. How much was he going to bring with the big jump in skill level? But I'd say he has passed with flying colors, all those things. And, there's no reason at this point to not believe he's going to be a, a very solid four-year player for Syracuse. Now, as you said, to become an all-time great, you kind of got to get to the tournament and have the team success, and unfortunately, this year it's and just they didn't will. really call. They yeah. will with him at some point. Right, not not this year though. It, it's looking like, but Like the way that's... he's playing right now, and I hate to to be the
1: prognosticator here, but I mean, this guy's going to be an ACC Player of the Year candidate for two or three years. Man, Just the way he's playing? Three years?
0: You think next year he has a chance? I think that's a little bullish.
1: I say more likely two years than three years, but... Okay. I mean, by the junior, he definitely will be. Senior year, absolutely. And next... I mean, he's played
0: well this year. He's played really well this year. He has, but it's also, I think, recency bias a little bit because these past two games have been his best two games. He had some spurts early in the season when they were playing some bad teams, kind of struggled as they made the transition to tougher teams, started out ACC play pretty good, but he actually did have a little bit of a down spell in terms of shooting field goal percentage until we got to NC state and even three point field goal percentage. He was 20% as the last five games before Florida state. So at the end of the day, he's still shooting some bad shots. It's not, always good for him but i agree with you i mean i think senior year he could be acc player of the year candidate i wouldn't say until i think definitely late.
1: junior year too
0: maybe yeah it just depends i mean who's on the syracuse team then and how much of the lion share is he gathering but i do think he has potential to put up 15 to 20 points by the time he's a senior all right let's let's quickly get into our sound check so
1: when you look at one of the the big things from this game, it was certainly the rebounding. I mean, especially on the offensive side of things, Florida State got twenty offensive rebounds. Meanwhile, Syracuse got nineteen defensive rebounds. So, of those attempts that Syracuse puts up and misses, Florida or rather that Florida State was putting yeah. up and missing, the Seminoles were getting more than the Orange were, and that's just super alarming. I mean, you, you brought it up earlier. Gerard led this team in rebounds. So, when you factor all that in together. It's just one of those things where oh you get one bounce to go here or or maybe someone puts a little more effort into this play here and that's the difference in the game because those second and third opportunities absolutely killed this team. Absolutely killed them.
0: Yeah, it really did. And I I don't know. It's just it's the same thing over and over. I'm almost tired of hearing Jim post game be like, "We need more from Barama" because at this point, we know what we're getting. And Barama actually yeah. had a decent game. It's just those two fouls in a minute, and then he never came back into the game. It's like he had his best game probably of the season, and he still isn't playing in the last eight minutes because of foul trouble. It's just so fitting based on what's happened this year for him. Yeah, here's Jim Bayheim on the rebounding. We just couldn't get a stop. We couldn't rebound. We've been rebounding better. Uh, but the rebound was that was the difference at the end of the game, and they shot well from the three, and we're still not shooting very well there. But it was a tremendous effort, and uh, it just got away at the end.
1: So, yeah, I mean, that's everything I would really expect Bayheim to say. It's frustrating. It's just it's super frustrating, especially when you play all these close games and you get out rebounded by a team that's not necessarily bigger than you either. I mean, they've right. got the depth, so maybe they can they can run longer. I mean, when you look at the, the box score here, Trent Forrest plays 37, Patrick Williams plays 32. No one else plays more than 24 minutes-wise.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing that people are going to point to about these close games and losing leads late is, is it a depth issue? Because that's been occurring at the end of halves, at the end of the first half, and at the end of the second half. And I know we'll get to Jim here in a second and his take on sort of the close games. But I do sort of agree with what he's going to say in, in that I, I don't know if it's a complete misnomer, but I don't feel like they choked this game away. I, I didn't feel like it was them choking maybe as they have a couple times this year. But overall, in, in, in close games, we haven't quite seen it a ton from Elijah, but Joe's been good like the Clemson game kind of felt like this game where they did make some plays it was just they're on the road and you're not just going to win all of these close games they've just had a ton of close games right i think i think there's a difference
1: between choking and crumbling if that makes yes. sense i know that yeah. it seems like it's different like crumbling it seems like it's it's nothing you can do you're kind of helpless and that's kind of the the feeling you got with Syracuse in this game like nc state they had the the and one on the three that puts them right back in the game after Syracuse, starts to get a little separation away. And then choking, on the other hand, is you giving the game away and and turning the ball over and stuff like that. Like This team went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You cannot call that choking. They just didn't choking.
0: get stops. They, that's right. what happened in this game. They did turn it over a little bit against NC State, but I'll give them a little bit of a pass because we saw how valuable Hughes's playmaking is down the stretch when he was actually in the game against Florida State. He was doing a lot of it.
1: Yeah. Here's what Jim Beheim had to say about these close games.
0: Well, our defense hasn't been good down the stretch. We have closed out several games this year, close games. We've won four very close games that we have closed out. So you're not going to win all the close games you have.
1: So, yeah, and and Matthew Gutierrez, who he had on the show on, what was it, Friday, he, he actually tweeted out this really good stat because someone tweeted at him asking for the final breakdown of the final four minutes of each half this month. And he tweeted out, in losses to NC State, Florida State, Clemson, and Duke, all of which have been close games. Now, the Duke game looks a lot more like a blowout yeah. than it really was. But Syracuse has been outscored 100-64 to in the final four minutes of each half, Yikes. of eight of those games. That's fatigue. Syracuse has no bench and starters look gassed at the end of first halves in games, lost four of last five. And that's that's a good point. I mean, there is no depth on this team, and it's crazy we're saying that's that not gonna change
0: once again, we went into the year thinking that they had twelve guys or not twelve, but maybe ten with a braswell, a Carey, a Washington who hasn't played much lately. maybe he got more from Edwards, and here we are again it's it's same old Syracuse basketball, and the roller coaster continues for them with no depth and losing games late, unfortunately lately. Yep, fooled again. All right, we'll
1: we'll get to what all of this means for the NCAA tournament and what the season in general is gonna mean when we look at the grand scheme of things with the way everything plays out down the stretch. We'll be right back on Locked on Syracuse. So that loss in a game where it really felt like do or die for the season that Syracuse was playing for on Saturday, they end up losing to Florida State and what would have been a really big win. But instead, the Orange now heads into Louisville with yet another must-win game if you want to save the season. I know I talked with Matthew Gutierrez, and he was saying Florida State was must-win. And the NCAA tournament hopes, especially a- and an at-large bid, looks really tough now. Really, really tough. Really tough, yeah. Just because there's not enough time left to really save your season. But if there's anything that I've taken away from these last couple of games is that if this team can get hot and listen this, the schedule is pretty favorable the rest of the way you got a tough one against Louisville but after that you should be favored in almost every single game and there's what five more after that yeah, you're right six now more chasing left. you're chasing Virginia for that fourth spot you're separated by two games but if you beat Louisville and this is why Louisville's a huge game coming up on Wednesday if you beat Louisville, you will own the tiebreaker over Virginia as long as Louisville finishes better than Florida State. Okay. So we'll we break all this stuff down later on throughout the week. We'll have pods every day. But you have a chance now. To, to If you can go on a run. Now, running the table in the regular season seems very tough. But it's kind of what you have to do. And if you can get over the first hump here... It's certainly going to feel a lot easier the rest of the way because you're playing a lot of the bottom feeders of the ACC after that, and I mean it just shows you this team has played in close games against every team. If you can get that four seed in the ACC tournament, I'm not going to rule out the possibility of maybe winning the NCAA turn or the ACC
0: tournament. No, not this it, year. Like, but don't, it's don't get me wrong;
1: it's going to be super tough. It is going to be yeah. super tough, but you've showed that you can play close games against every single team in the ACC, save Louisville, which you're going to find out on Wednesday if you can do that. If you can That's beat what makes, Louisville, it, yeah. then it
0: kind of opens that conversation. That's what makes this all so sour for me is I know the way they're playing right now, and even what we saw against Florida State, despite Buddy struggling, like we've never seen him struggle, at least this season before, they're playing like an NCAA tournament team. They're playing like a team that in this day and age, this season in college basketball that is so open, could do the classic Syracuse thing and get in and make a little bit of a run. Now, the issue is, it's like a 2 to 5% chance that they get in at this point because they did nothing in non-conference. And it's, it's just a shame because you can see the growth. You can see the growth in Quincy Garrier, Joe Girard, Dole's eyes look like a completely different player in 2020. Even Sidibe is starting to sort of figure things out offensively, at least when he stays on the floor and avoids foul trouble. There is growth there. Look at Goodine. He had a, a good five or six minutes in a tough environment on the road, tight game, final 10 minutes of a game you had to have for your season. He comes in, plays some pretty good minutes in Beheim's absence. But at the end of the day, like, it's just too late, Ty. And, and that's what makes this sting because – this could have been one of those Syracuse teams that we joke about and how they get in and then make a run because of the zone and whatnot. And and at this point, to me, you have to basically win out. You have to beat Louisville because you need another quad one win. And it's a shame that Louisville just dropped its last two games and isn't going to be as high of a win as we maybe once thought it was. And also, Louisville will probably be even more hungry to get a win now and seems unlikely that they're going to lose three in a row, but that's a whole different topic. So you, you basically have to win out, and that's what makes this sting because they are playing like a top-four team in the ACC, but it just doesn't really matter. Right, and it's it's so, it's so one of those things where if there was maybe three or four
1: more games left in the season, or three or four more games tacked on to what's remaining in the season, then you maybe yeah. feel a little bit better about the chances because this team is peaking at the the end of the season. And right. they just don't have the results. I mean, this is a 14 and 11 basketball team, and I think both you and I think they are a tournament caliber team in terms of how they look right now. Like this the team that went to Tallahassee and lost by 3 to Florida State is a tournament team. It's just the fact yes. that through the first what? 10 15 games, they were as far from a tournament team as you could be in terms <laughs> exactly. of a power 5 team.
0: And the other thing that stings is if you had Hughes against NC State, you probably win that game. And then we're sitting here talking about you don't have to. Florida State wasn't do or die because of that. So I and, don't know. And I mean, on the same token, you say if Buddy
1: Bayheim gets one, one of his seven <laughs> shots yeah. to go, just one, you
0: probably win Florida State. Right. I don't know. I mean, if you went out. You've got 13 ACC wins. You've got eight ACC road wins. But that's asking them to win six in a row here. And then, you know, if you go into the tournament with some momentum and you, you maybe make it to the semis, like, that's what we're asking for at this point. That's why it's so unlikely. You have to beat Louisville. Then you basically can't lose again until maybe the ACC semis. And then you're on the bubble. I mean, I'm not even talking that gets you in. That, that's how dire things are at this point. I do think there's a world. I wouldn't, like, stick a fork in them. They're completely dead. Now, if they lose to Louisville, which I do think they will, and we'll talk about Louisville more in the week, then they're, they're pretty much done. So it, it's gotten to the point now where it did feel like we were watching their last gasp at Florida State because how do you come back from that? I mean, they had that opportunity with Nova Cell no walker for a good portion of the game, and they just sort of let it slip away. Yeah, it's
1: frustrating because of what could have been. In the grand scheme of things, this is the the same exact thing that you saw in 2016-2017, except for there. there's no top 10 wins to show for it, but this team certainly has looked like a quality team down the stretch, especially when it matters most. Unfortunately, the schedule hasn't played out favorably for them because we anointed that hell stretch for them, and they have not delivered during it all right that's going to do it for us here today on locked on syracuse hope you all have a great rest of your monday now the rest of the week we've got a louisville preview on wednesday we'll get you everything you need to know about the cardinals and then on tuesday so tomorrow we're going to get into anything that we missed from our our recap today with florida state and also i want to talk about this dior johnson article that matthew gutierrez wrote in the athletics so have a great rest of the day and we'll be back tomorrow and talk soon